Open your Bibles with me this morning to Mark chapter number four, please. Mark chapter, Mark chapter number four. I hope everyone is doing well this morning and uh, ready to hear from the Lord here this morning. Mark chapter, chapter number four. And uh, we're going to pick up reading in verse number 30 this morning. Jesus is going to teach about the kingdom of God this morning. We're going to look and see what he has to say and what we can take from this passage of Scripture. Mark chapter 4, in verse number 40, the Bible says this, And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? He's asking a question here to these that are listening. Jesus is speaking. And uh, he says, Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. When they were alone... He expounded all things to his disciples. Father, would you help us today as we study from your word, as we, Lord, seek to find truth from it, I pray that you would bless, Lord, the preaching of your word, bless those that are listening. I pray our hearts would be attentive. Lord, each person here, Lord, they need something different today. And the only way that one message could speak to so many different people is with your Holy Spirit guiding and directing. And so I pray that you take this message, you minister to hearts. I pray if there's one here today that has never trusted you as their Savior, Lord, today I pray they'd be saved. And uh, Lord, encourage your saints and encourage your people. Feed them today, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever tried to capture in words an experience that, that was beyond description your audience or the person you're talking to probably could not understand what you're saying because they simply just weren't there. And you're trying to explain a situation or a place that you were, and you realize this, they're never going to fully understand it because they don't know, they've not seen what you've seen. Jesus here is going to try to get his, the people and his disciples to understand the kingdom of God. There's questions, and he wants them to understand what the kingdom of God is, but he realizes this, that they can't understand unless he uses words or an analogy that they can relate with. And so Jesus is going to begin to speak about the kingdom of God, and he's going to use something here that they, they understand, and he's going to use a, a farming analogy for an illustration and he's going to begin to talk about this grain of a mustard seed. He talks in verse number 30, uh, 31, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. He says it's going to be a small, a small seed. It's going to start small. The mustard seed was such a, a very, very small seed, but as it grew, it grew into something great. And I'm going to give you four things, four thoughts this morning out of this passage of Scripture that I hope that will help us and help us understand what Christ was trying to get across to his disciples and those that were listening here today as he spoke. And verse uh, number 30, verse number 30, he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? 
And he talks, first of all, I want you to see, he said, it is like a grain. I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, four things that I want to look at this, this morning. The first thing is the grain. If you write that down, number one, uh, he compares it to this, this grain. To gain the audience's attention, Christ, he poses this question about the, the kingdom of God. What shall we liken it to? Or how can I help you understand? What can I compare it to so you understand the kingdom of God? He says it's as this grain, this mustard seed, Christ then he uses as a comparison to speak of faith. In Matthew chapter 17, verse number 20, Jesus told the disciples, If ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto the mountains, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. He had spoken already in Matthew, he spoke about this mustard seed, and he said if you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, what he's saying is if you just have a small amount of faith, you can tell a mountain to move from here to there. Just a small amount of faith you can do great things for God. He said in this verse in Matthew, just a small amount of faith. What you think may be impossible, nothing's impossible to God with small amount of faith. This mustard seed, mustard, was widely used at this time in this part of the world. And so as he began to tell them about something they'd have never seen, as Jesus begins to tell the people and his disciples about something they've never experienced, to get them to try to understand what he was speaking of, he begins to use something, this mustard that was used very, very much, very widely at this part of the world here at this time. This mustard seed that produces, it starts at a, as a very, very small seed. But over, over time, it develops and it creates something that's far exceeding greater than that small seed that it began. Matter of fact, there's a commentary that says this, a mustard tree can grow as tall as 30 feet. Think about a three-story building. Something so small, this, this least thing, this small mustard seed, when planted into the ground, can grow into this tree some three stories high, 30 feet high. That's a big tree. And, and, and this is the analogy that Jesus is using as he's describing the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God to those that are listening. God is fond of using small things for a big purpose. If you read through the Bible, you'll find often he used something small, and that something small that he used got great glory that was brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we find that there was a cloud the size of a hand that brought a great rain in the days of Elijah. Elijah, if you'll study 1 Kings chapter number 18, there was a, just a small cloud, this very, very small cloud the size of a hand. God used that small cloud to, to bring a, a great rain. He uses small things. For his glory. We also find in the, in the word of God, we find there is a humble man by the name of Gideon living in fear. God used Gideon with a small army of men, just a few hundred here God uses to, to great, to, for a great victory over the Midianites. Here we find in Judges chapter 6 and chapter number 7, we find that God can use something small and produce something great. We find in the Bible as well in John 6, 
In verses 9 through 11, it tells us of a small lunch. Uh, a boy had this small lunch and, and just, a, just a few things in that lunch bag, but Christ used that and he offered it willingly to the Lord. And the Lord then used that and broke that fish and broke those, that bread and, and fed the, the thousands there that were there that day with even some left over. God can use something small and produce something great. I'm reminded of the widow's mites, the two mites, something small. It got the attention of Christ. and tells a great story of her faith, of her obedience in Mark chapter number 12. I like that song, that early, that, that song from the 1900s, that songwriter wrote, Little is Much When God is in It. What a great song, what a true song that is. We don't have to have great talents. We don't have to have anything great. God can use the smallest of things to bring honor and glory to Him. Little is much when God is in it. We Sometimes, if we're not careful, we can limit God by looking to our own insufficiencies, but He can do much through His people that are yielded to Him. And, and then we find here this mustard seed, this small seed that when it, is, when it is planted, it's something so small, but when it grows, it grows into something great. He uses this mustard seed often to talk about faith, the faith of a, a mustard seed. And, and I realize today here that if we would just be yielded to God, it doesn't matter our insufficiencies. It doesn't matter our weaknesses. It doesn't matter how small or how unimportant we think we are. When we're yielded to God, God can use us to do great things for His honor and His glory. Matter of fact, Matthew chapter number 19, verse number 26 says, But when Jesus beheld them, said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. God can take the impossible and make it possible. God can take what we think isn't much and He can do great things with that. He can take your, your insecurities and do a great thing for His honor if you'll be yielded to Him because with God, all things are possible. In a similar sense, the work of Christ was just a seed at this point. As Christ is talking to His disciples and His followers here today in this passage of Scripture, his followers consisted mostly of just these 12 apostles. These 12 here that are following him. He had no land. Christ had no buildings. Christ had no material resources here. They weren't following him because he had a great facility they could come and learn from. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he didn't even have a place to, to rest his head. He didn't have a home during his earthly ministry. He just slept wherever he could sleep. There was nothing of great significance that he had because he didn't come to build a kingdom here upon this earth at that time. He didn't come to, to build great buildings. He didn't come to gain great material resources. He came to die on the cross to shed his blood so that you and I could have salvation. He came to give his life so that, that each and every one of us could have life and his work was small but over time this seed of ministry would grow to reach the unknown world a matter of fact it's said of the gospel in the book of acts that he, that the apostles turned the world upside down with the gospel of jesus christ here jesus that work is small but over time we're going to see the entire world is going to know 
who Jesus is. This is because he was in it. And if you have faith today and you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, he is in you and, and, and you're in him. And therefore this, God can use you to do great things for his glory. You're here today if you're a child of God, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God should be able to use your life. It doesn't matter what you think you can offer. Just give him what you have. Be yielded to him and he can use your life in a great and mighty way. We ought to be yielded to him. So we find, first of all, we find that he uses this analogy of a grain. I want you to see in verse number 40, uh, 32, he says this, but when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Number two, I want you to write this down. We see the grain and we see the growth. Number two, he's explaining to his disciples and those that are listening here, he's explaining to them what he could liken the kingdom of God to. He's liking it to this grain, this grain of a mustard seed that it's placed into the ground and it's something small, but when it grows, it becomes great and mighty. We see number two, we see the growth. Christ was sharing that his kingdom, like a grain of a mustard seed, would start out small and it would grow into something significant. Stay with me here this morning, please. When it is sown, he says, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs. Jesus began his ministry with just 12 disciples. After the t- at the time of his crucifixion, there were about 120 or so that were following Jesus. So it started out with just a few. It grew into about 120 or so people there at his crucifixion that, that, that were there and, 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 and were waiting for him to see what would happen next. On the day of Pentecost, more than 3,000 people were added. Just a little short time later, as these disciples were gathered together on the day of Pentecost, and Peter began to preach, the power of the Holy Spirit began to work, and the Bible says some 3,000 souls were saved that day. It just began with just a few, and it began to grow as the gospel was preached, began to grow, the kingdom of God began to grow, and then in Acts we find just a short time later, a few chapters later, in the book of Acts we learn there was approximately 100 thousand disciples of Jesus in just a short period of time. Pretty remarkable return from a single seed, isn't it? And then some 2,000 years later today, we find that the church of Christ, we find the Christian believers are gathered around the world today, like us today, around the world. People are gathered, and the Word of God is being preached, and souls are being saved, and, and thousands and thousands and thousands are being added to the kingdom of God, all because of a start from a small seed, this growth. The kingdom of God is growing, and it will continue to grow. Please, please understand that. The kingdom of God is going to continue to grow. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we look around just as Christ's audience did in their day, and they saw the obstacles that were in front of them. And just like today, we can see obstacles in front of us, and if we concentrate on those obstacles, we might think that, oh no, the kingdom of God is in trouble. We might think that the church of God is in trouble. We might think that Christianity is in trouble. So 
Sometimes it's not just the obstacles that are in front of us. Sometimes it's the fear within us. You know, Satan wants to cause fear in your life. He always is trying to put fear in your life. He's always trying to distract you. He's always trying to get you off course. He doesn't desire for you to grow. But I want you to understand something here this morning. No matter what the obstacles are in front of you, no matter what the fear is within you, or no matter what the chaos is around you, we realize this, that the kingdom of God is going to continue to grow. We begin to wonder how things are going to turn out. Do you, you ever wonder that? Boy, sometimes, uh, if I'm honest with you, I'd tell you this. Sometimes I lose sleep wondering, how is something going to turn out? Sometimes we allow that fear or the obstacles or the chaos around us to cause us to wonder, how are things going to turn out? Sometimes I watch the news that just seems like it's constantly, constantly giving us negativity, constantly causing us to live in fear, and I listen to that and I watch that and sometimes I wonder how are things going to turn out? Sometimes when I think about this country and the direction it's going in, to be honest with you, sometimes I wonder how are things going to turn out? Sometimes it can seem like things are hopeless. Sometimes our world around us, it can seem like it's spiraling out of control and there is nowhere to turn to. I want you to know that it is a joy to know things will turn out just as God said they would. The Bible says in John 14, 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You know what God gives us there? He gives us something that we can guarantee. He gives us this thought that he, he is going to go, and he's going to prepare a place, and he's coming again. See, the disciples thought at this point, and those that saw Jesus, they thought that this Messiah is going to come. He's going to set up his kingdom here Upon this earth, he's going to deliver them from the Roman occupation. He's going to, he's going to come and, and, and going to set up his kingdom, and they're going to be free from all of the issues that are, they're dealing with on that day. But Christ didn't come at this time to free them from the Roman occupation. He came to be a payment for their sins. He came to die on the cross. He came to go to the grave. And he came to offer them eternal life, the resurrection power. And he said this, I'm going now, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm coming again. Listen, it doesn't matter the obstacles in front of us, the fear within us, or the chaos around us. One thing we know for sure is Jesus Christ is coming again. Boy, I get so excited when I read that one day the trump's going to sound, there's going to be a shout, and, and the dead in Christ are going to rise, and those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the clouds with them. One day, he's coming again, and if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me, I'm just telling you this, to encourage you today, that he said, I'm going to receive you unto myself, that where he is, I'm going to be there as well. He's in heaven today. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and one day he's coming to get his bride, and when that Trump sounds, I'm going to be with him forever. Boy, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. You know what that tells me? The kingdom of heaven can't fail. Satan and all the powers of darkness are doing everything and trying everything they can to discourage you, to get you to doubt God. He's trying everything he can to get you off track doing everything he can to get you to doubt what God is saying. 
doing everything he can to get you to doubt God's word. We live in a society today that doesn't believe that this is the word of God, believe it's just an ancient book written by men that has no value for our living today. But guess what? This book lives forever in the kingdom of God, lives forever, and it grows, the Bible says. And Jesus said, I'm coming again, and where I am, I am going to be sure you're there with me. What a wonderful, wonderful guarantee that is. See, as I said earlier, the Jewish audience, those that are listening, they wanted an earthly kingdom. They wanted an earthly kingdom which they would regain their freedom and their homeland. See, when Jesus was born here in Israel at this time, the Romans had, are occupying this land. Israel, the Jewish people are living there, but they're occupied by a foreign government, and they have no freedoms in their homeland. They want a judgment for their oppressors. They wanted a, a Messiah to come. They wanted a king to come and judgment for those that have oppressed them. They, they envisioned Jesus setting up his kingdom and throw, overthrowing the Roman occupation and bringing judgment to them. They wanted vindication for themselves. Their hopes were reasonable. But the kingdom Jesus meant was much greater than that. What they thought Jesus was going to do he was going to do even greater. The hopes they had for the Messiah, his goals were even greater. They wanted him to come and free them from this occupation. He said, I'm going to free you from more than this occupation. He wanted, they wanted him to bring judgment to the Roman Empire. And he said, I'm, I'm going to bring more than judgment to the Roman Empire. I've come to give life. I've come to save you. I've come to give you everlasting life. The Bible says this in Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not, meant in to, is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Number three, I want you to write this down, please, this morning. I want you to write this down. We find he compares the kingdom of God and he gives us guarantee. He gives us guarantee. In verse number 32, he not only says, but when it is sown, it groweth up. He also says this, it becomes greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. I want you to hear me, please, this morning. This morning in the first service, there were some people like Suzanne Sears who just got word just recently this week that her cancer has returned for the third time. There's family that has a son in ICU. The doctors aren't quite sure, giving him a 50-50 chance and have him in an induced coma until Tuesday before they can figure out what's going on in this poor 27-year-old body. The first service, there was Debbie Williams who just found out that her cancer has returned and has to have surgery to remove this cancer and was told that maybe her pancreas, has to, part of it has to be removed as well and, and some other things. And, and facing some things, Maybe you're here today and you're facing some things. Maybe there's some trials you're going through. Maybe there's some burdens you're carrying. I don't know what they are. Maybe there's some things that you are carrying and you've never told a person yet. Maybe there's some things in your life that's causing you to be aggravated with God. Maybe there's some things that's in your life that's causing you to be aggravated with others around you. Maybe there's some burdens you're carrying and you just don't understand. 
I want you to see something here. He says the kingdom of God, he compares it to this mustard seed. He says when this small mustard seed, this insignificant seed, when it's placed into the ground, it grows up. It becomes greater than all herbs. It shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Jesus completes his picture, this word picture, by adding, it shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Not only does the mustard tree give shade, it also provides lodging. Now hear me, please. This is a guarantee that God's kingdom serves as a place of refuge. We uh, have several trees in our backyard, and boy, during the winter months, it's just bare, and, but now all the leaves are coming in, and as the leaves are coming in, we have birds that are coming in, and our, our puppy loves the backyard. We I don't know if it's true or not. I've watched too many cartoons, I guess, when I was a kid. But I kind of think that this, our puppy, like, talks to these other animals in our yard. I mean, it just, he likes to go out, and the birds, one, my wife has a picture. He's looking out the window. A bird is at our tree, and they're staring at each other. He loves to go there and play with these other animals. And the more the trees in our backyard grow, it seems like the more animals are coming. We've got Birds and squirrels and, and, and chipmunks and, and uh, we even have a groundhog that plays back there with the puppy. All these animals that are coming in. Ducks. Well, the other day we saw ducks and we live in Maumee. I mean, ducks in our backyard. Our puppy's attracting all these animals like a zoo back there. We find that the more the trees grow, the more refuge it provides. The Bible says in Psalm 91.1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Listen to me, if you're struggling this morning, don't let that verse pass you. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It matters not where you go in life if you know the protective hand of God is with you. You could be a missionary to the deepest, darkest jungles of this world. You could be a missionary to the most remote villages of this world. But if you're going where God has you go, His protective hand is with you. Or you could be sitting in this church service today. You need to realize this, that God's protective hand is with you. Think of David's words as he penned the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. David, the strong king. I mean, this is David who, who, who he boasted of killing the lion and the bear. This is David who as a young boy goes to battle and his brothers are there and the great King Saul, the one that's towering head and shoulders above the rest there in Israel, there's a giant that comes in the valley and that giant begins to curse the name of God and Saul and all of the army runs and not this little man David, this little boy who's there, he says, I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear and I'll kill this giant as well and he goes to the brook, he takes five smooth stones, he puts one 
into a sling and he, and he throws that sling and that, that one stone hits Goliath right in the head and kills this great giant. I mean, that David is a mighty warrior. David's fame goes out of the, of the mighty warrior that he is. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that they sang of David, that Saul has killed his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. David's name was great. David could keep himself in a battle. David could defeat the enemy in battle, but David gets to a place in his life where he realizes this. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. He doesn't say it because of his sword. He doesn't say it because of his sling. He doesn't say because of his strength, what he says is this, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. He says, thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Shadow is only produced when the light shines behind an object. And that light that gives a shadow of refuge in the valley of death is the light of God. He is our light in times of darkness. Oh, know this today, that he is the light in the times of darkness. He is our shadow of refuge in times of trouble. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're experiencing today, but you need to realize this, that God is your refuge. He is your light in times of darkness. He is our shadow in refuge in times of trouble. The kingdom of God here, he is describing to those that are listening the kingdom of God. In one of the ways he describes it, he says it's a mustard seed that when it's placed in the ground, it grows. And as it grows, it provides refuge to those that need a refuge. Lately, I, you... Uh, I'm sure I've noticed we have been getting several uh, uh, thunderstorms, lightning storms. In the middle of the night, lightning lights up the skies. Whenever that happens, we know that we've got some one kid in particular that's going to be in our bed real quick. A lightning comes, the shadows that are produced from that lightning, that thunder comes, and, and then well, before you know it, we, we've got a kid in our bed, and, and I said, Jacob, you can't keep coming into the bed. In just two weeks, you're going to be in the military, and you can't get into the bed with that drill sergeant when it thunders outside. You've got to learn. You've got to grow up, son. No, I'm kidding. It's not that one. It's a little one. Last night, it wasn't even thundering, and about three o'clock in the morning, I reached down, I felt a head full of hair. I know it wasn't the puppy because I kicked the puppy out of the bed hours ago. <laughs> and as I felt more head of hair, I realized it's Chloe. She had a bad dream. Where do you run to when you have a bad dream? You run to refuge. She runs to a place where she knows she's safe. Listen, running to refuge, it doesn't make the lightning and the thunder stop. It just makes you feel safe. Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God and as he's comparing the kingdom of God, he says it's a place of refuge for those that need to run to when you need a place of safety. As human beings, you know we're always going to endure trials. We're always going to carry burdens. Last evening as I got the call from the Nyharts, I went up to the hospital and ICU and I said to Mrs. Nyhart, who would have thought, who would have thought when you woke up this morning you'd be standing at the bed of your son, 27 year old, on machines? 
I looked at her and I said, I wish I could say something that could make all of your problems go away, but there's nothing I can say. With tears, she said, I know. But one thing I do know for sure that when we need those times, those times are life, and we need a refuge, God is our refuge. He's the one that we can run to in times of trouble. That kingdom of God is as a mustard seed. It starts out small, but when it grows, it becomes a place that those fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And when we come to a place in our lives where we don't sh- weren't sure what to do, when we come to a place in our lives where storms are going to rage in our life, but when we find our lodging in God, we receive his protection through every season, through every storm. Our God is that good. And his work is that enduring. I want you to lastly, I want you to write this down. We see the grain. We see the growth. We see the guarantee. And number four, my last point, we see the guidance. Look with me in verse number 33. With many such parables spake he the word of them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expanded all things to his disciples. Boy, he said in verse 33, and with many such parables spake he the words unto them as they were able to hear it. Just a side note as I read that verse, I, I want to hear from God, don't you? When he wants to speak, I want him to know I want to listen. I don't want the Lord to want to speak and my heart not to be right where I can't hear from him. He wants to speak. He wants to give you guidance. He wants to give you a place of refuge. He wants to give you a place of protection. He wants you to grow. It's his desire. The Lord doesn't want you to go through life all alone trying to figure things out. He doesn't want you to try something to see if that's the right choice. He wants to give you protection. He wants to give you peace. The Bible says He is that light unto your path. He wants to guide your path. We've got a God in heaven. I'm so thankful that each morning when I wake up, I can open the Word of God. I can kneel in prayer. I can hear from God. He desires to speak to me. I want Him to know I want to listen. In Mark 4, 33 and 34, we find that this shares that Jesus used additional parables to teach his followers about him and his work and provide the direction they would need in life. God wants to give you direction. You know what I believe? That God cares about even the smallest things in your life. I think God cares about where you live and where you work. God cares about your family. God cares about your needs. Sometimes there's in life we think, well, God just maybe doesn't care. I, I think just like any other good father, he cares about the smallest things. He cares about your health. He cares about your well-being. He cares about your spiritual condition. He cares about you. Just like any good father would, he cares about his children. When the seed of the word is planted and it grows in our hearts, it changes things. 1 Peter 1.23 says this, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth 
and abideth forever. As God develops us through his word, his work inevitably expands. As we do the work of God, we will use, uh, he'll use us to increase his influence by adding people through our soul-winning efforts by us sharing Christ. Brother Radenbaugh, he is a missionary that we've supported. And we've, this church has supported his ministry for 30 years. He was here this past Wednesday and gave reports of what's happening in South Africa. He has a deaf college now and a couple churches, and now he's sending men out to, to reach the deaf of South Africa. He brought a couple here with him, a husband and wife, that met at the Bible college, and now this man is pastoring in a, a different country there in, in, uh, in uh, uh, continent of Africa. And he brought another man with him that got saved and now is in the Bible college and now is working in the church and, and working with the young people in the church. And what fruit there was, what wonderful fruit. And as they were signing and giving a testimony and hearing what the Lord's doing, you know what, that's all fruit. Because there's a church that in Monclova has said it's important for us to continue to support missionaries. This evening we'll have a missionary, Terry Childers, that'll be here, and Melissa Bravo, that'll be here, and they're going to give a report of what God's doing because of your efforts, because of your help, because of your giving. Souls are being saved. And listen to me, church, Satan would do anything he can to destroy that. Do anything he can to stop that. We need to rely upon God's guidance. Paul explained this to uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2, 2, 2. He said to Timothy, in the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, he didn't say, keep it to yourself. He didn't say, hide it and, and keep it uh, in a good place of safety. No, he said the things that I have taught you, the things that I have given to you, the things you've heard of me, of many witnesses. He said the same, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What he said was this, what I've done for you, I want you to teach someone else and teach someone else to give it to someone else as well. What would happen if just 20 people lived out this verse and committed to reach just one other person per year? What would happen? At the end of the first year, the 20 would become 40. And you say, that's small. What's 20 people? What's 40 people? Well, we, we're going we're gonna to witness for two years and only see 40 people saved? Well, if, if, if those then would follow this verse, and if, if we, that 20 would teach others and teach them to teach others, that 20 would turn into 40. At the end of five years, that 40 would become 640. You say, boy, after five years, still a small number. By 10 years, that 640 would turn into 20,480. And by 15 years, that 20,480 would turn into 655,000. 360 people. And if just 20 people lived out that calling to add others to the work of God in 20 years, the kingdom of God would have 20,971,520 new disciples.
Think about that. And that's just if 20 people would let God use them the way that God wants to use them. But in order for a work of this magnitude to be realized, we must trust the following of Christ. Jesus said this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. He said you've got to seek the kingdom of God first. Early in ministry, my wife would say this. I'd come home and be down or discouraged. Something might happen and kind of go home. And she would, or tired, you know, you work a long day, tired to go home and just not want to do anything. And my wife said to me one time, early in our marriage, early in ministry, she said, how come everyone else gets the best of you and I get the rest of you? I can tell you this, that doesn't make for healthy marriages, does it? Give your spouse the leftovers. We've got a couple that's going to be married here in a couple months. Keep each other first. Keep each other first. She would say, how come when I try to call you, you don't answer your phone because you're busy? But you and I are together and somebody calls you and you answer your phone. It's hard to tell her she's more important when I make her second. I would just say this. This is just kind of a commercial break. Spouses, listen to the needs of your spouse. Some, some, some spouses want to help their marriage, but they feel like they can't because there's a resistant ear. Listen. Listen to their concerns. A, a healthy marriage is always cultivated when both people can have a voice and an ear to make recommendations how something can get better. Listen. Learn to listen. So many marriages, they cease to grow because one person feels like they can't talk about things that are of a concern to them because the other party will just get upset or not want to hear. That's unhealthy and your marriage will cease to grow. How do you make that stronger? Put the other first. When I think of that analogy, I think when Jesus says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, you know what God is saying? Put me first. Put me first. We as human beings, we so often put our own desires first. We must determine to live for our God in his kingdom. Listen, our problems will always arise when we try to live for his kingdom and build our own at the same time. You can't do it. They compete against each other. No matter what you do in work, no matter what you do at home, no matter what you do in your relationships, no matter what you do in life with your finances, no matter what you do with your time, no matter what you do with your talents, always seek the kingdom of God and put him first. And all these things will be added. You know what he's saying? You put me where I belong and I'll take care of every need you have. So often Christians are trying to figure out life and they, they're leaving God out of it. Give him his rightful place. 
and you stop taking care of the things that you can't control, and you start caring for the one that loves you, you put him first in your life, you know what he'll do? He'll take care of the things you can't control. Put him first. We have to trust Christ, and we have to allow him to add those elements that we need as we go. I want to end with this story in 1874. Anybody remember that year? No? Okay. The nation of Wales welcomed the birth of a, of a baby named Evan Roberts. As a teenager, Evan came to know Christ as his personal Savior. And in time, his heart became burdened for those that did not know Jesus Christ. In this, country, this nation, this country Wales, he served, among other things, as a youth Sunday school teacher. And in 1904, God brought a revival through Roberts that shook the believers in this nation of Wales to the point that lives were changed. You can read of this great revival that takes place. As Christians, because of this revival, drew close to the Lord, they renewed their commitment to share the gospel. That revival, that revival literally swept across the nation of Wales and beyond. This great revival of 1904. Pubs emptied out and churches filled up. Stories are told of entire towns coming to Christ. And all, all of this happened because of one man. He lived for God's kingdom. His small work grew like a grain of mustard seed to a, a great work that served many people. And, and we need more Christians like Evan Roberts that will see what, Christ, what God is, is doing and how God works and how blessed we are to participate in what he's doing in his work. My question today Will you respond and reach out to your community and beyond with the love of God? The kingdom of heaven, it's compared to a grain. He compares it to a growth. He compares it to a guarantee, guarantee of a refuge, and it's our guidance if we put him first.